Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Radio, 92.7 WFNZ, KB and Smoke with you here on a Friday, hour number two going into the weekend, NBA All-Star Weekend coming up. Uh, the break, of course, began two nights ago. We, we do have one Hornet participating in this year's festivities, Brandon Miller in the Rising Stars game. Uh, we will continue to talk about that a bit later in the show. Also coming up in 15 minutes, Paul Biancardi's back. And at five o'clock, we chat with our good buddy, Nate Wimberly of WBTV. All that's coming up, but right now it's the best audio in sports. What did you say? You what? What did you say? Hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't right. What did I hear you say? What I mean by that is... All right, what you got over there? All right, last night while Caitlin Clark was making history in Iowa, live on Peacock, uh, the duels at Daytona were going on. And it was a close call for old seven-time Jimmy Johnson, who had to race his way in. And it looked like he wasn't going to make it, Kyle, until the final mile when he was able to pass J.J. Yaley. And afterward, Jimmy was relieved, to say the least. I can't. I've, I've never been in a position like this before, and I have such a greater appreciation for everyone before me that's tried to race their way in. And although there's only six more cars, I know at one time there were many more, but um, it's very stressful. Uh, very thankful that we got this car wanted to it in the race. Uh, I knew the first half of the race was going too easy. I knew I knew there would be a challenge thrown at us, and uh, we got it just in time. So hats off to J.J. Lee, put up a heck of a fight, and had a very competitive car, and um, we were just in the right spot at the right time when the checker fell. All right, there you go. I, now, for me last night, as I told you earlier, the real story of the duels for me was the broadcast booth. I lo- Kevin Harvick and Clint Boyer together, Smoke. I mean, that's – I'll watch that. Good early and, – and I figured Kevin Harvick's going to be tremendous. We, he's been doing booth work since the early 2000s at certain times, and he's always sounded like a natural. But him in the booth, I think he's going to be the perfect mix because the last two years Fox has had Mike Clinton rotating guest of uh, analyst, and I think Kevin's the perfect type of guy. So it's good, and I mean, Mike Joyce still, the fact that Mike Joyce still doing what he's doing at his age just shows you how special of a broadcaster he is. But I mean, think about it, Kyle. We almost had Jimmy Johnson not make the Daytona 500. The last time, I think I saw the last time he did not qualify for event, ironically, was at Daytona, but for the Bush Series in 2000. Wow. That, it's been a while. I was good. Yeah, to say the least. What else you got? All right, a man who is the opposite of relieved right now is Doc Rivers, as since taking over as the Bucks head coach in Milwaukee, uh, the Bucks have gone 3-10, and ten, and they lost last night to a wounded Grizzlies team. And old Doc decided to drop a pipe bomb on the team to kick off the All-Star break. We come back in this, uh, on our set, uh, two guys forget what we're running. Uh, then we miss the shot, and then nobody gets back. That's how we start out the third quarter. That tells you all you need to know about where our heads were. Um, you know, um, we, we had some guys here, and we had some guys in Cabo. <laughs> well, listen, um, it, it is the toughest game on the schedule to coach, all right? Uh, I'm not excusing it, but it's also not the, the most shocking thing in the world to hear that some players were checked out 
the night of the final game before the eight-day vacation that is the NBA All-Star break for most of them. What else you got? All right, while you're not excited about tomorrow's slam dunk contest, yesterday was a pretty big anniversary in ACC history, as yesterday marked 21 years since Dante Jones dropped one of the best dunks in the conference's history, and he recently explained how Coach K played a massive role in said dunk on the podcast P with Paul George. First Virginia, um, and they were really good at that time. Mm-hmm. But Coach K was destroying me in that in that timeout, and he just didn't like my effort level and what what happened. Just being a coach, he mm-hmm. was he was right. Mm-hmm. So it was limited amount of time coming out that the ATO, and they trapped me, and I split it, and I like it was like a three two one. So I had no choice but to like just throw it in, try try and dunk it to mm-hmm. beat the clock. I catch it, boom. Amazed myself, hit to the floor, and the push-ups was like a F you to Coach K. Mm. Like I was looking at him, like yeah, whatever. Yeah. And then he accepted, like like hell yeah. yeah, like, yeah. And I was like, oh, it didn't work. Because <laughs> I got another better dunk than that, yeah, that yeah. game. But I was trying to like like F you to K on that one. He'd been talking crazy to me. Yeah. Like, he's one of the best motivators of all time. But like he knew as a coach that he could speak through to me, get me going crazy, and it would speak to the other. That would players. translate there. So like it sucks for the dude that was yeah that took that. I took my frustration out. <laughs> What's, how long is the anniversary you said again? 21 years. 21 years. I mean, that speaks to the kind of coach. If we could all just put the Duke-Carolina rivalry aside for a second, like that's the kind of thing that made Coach K great, is that his own players feel it. He gets under his own player's skin, fires his own player up enough that the dunk is an FU in a way, but like they're both celebrate. That's coaching right there. That's coaching. By the way, Dante Jones is kind of a forgotten Duke guy from his era. Is he the most forgotten? Who's the... How do you, what's the question there? Like, who's maybe the most underrated, potentially, of all these guys? Because, you know, Dante, like, Dante had a long career in the NBA, too. He did play a long time. He was on the 2016 Cavs championship team. Now, he didn't play, but he was on the end of the bench. He played for seven different NBA teams. Career started in 03, and he didn't retire until after the 2017 season. And most of the time was in the NBA. He did spend some time overseas, but he was a Ivor G League guy or... I mean, I'm I'm not saying you're wrong, but like it looks pretty continuous. I'm looking at his, his yeah. stuff right now. I mean, I think he had maybe a he dipped down into the Fort Wayne Mad Ants like ten years ago. That used to be one of the Bobcats. Uh, the, the, oh, and he was with the Grand Rapids Drive too. You're right about yeah. that. All right, but most of it was spent in the NBA. That's cool. What else you got? All right. Well, we end with America's favorite family, and specifically America's favorite man, Jason Kelsey. As if you didn't see him after the Super Bowl, he had a grand old time wearing overalls and a luchador mask. And apparently uh, it's gotten to the ire of Kylie Kelsey because she was ripping his dance moves while on the New Heights podcast earlier this week. You displayed your, what, three dance moves? <laughs> Whoa. You haven't seen any of those dance moves before. Those are brand new. She, ask her if those she's seen the belly move before. Jason Daniel. That deli, ha, have you ever seen my belly takeover? Jason. You've never seen that. Jason. Jason. The chunk? Jason. Jason. You've never seen me do the chunk? The only reason it looked like your belly took over, you were really hip thrusting. It looked like I was hip thrusting. Yeah, it looked like your belly took over because but you were the, wearing overalls. No, I yeah. was hip thrusting, but then my belly was, yeah. She's got took a point. over. She's got a point. Turned into belly thrust. Jason. Belly thrust. I've seen you hip thrust. Okay? Yeah, obviously. <laughs> got three kids. <laughs> I'm not a dancer. <laughs> 
How many dance moves does a man need? Like, what's, what's the what's the minimum required number of dance moves? Go to moves that it, I'm thinking like Hitch here, right? When Will Smith's trying to teach <laughs> Kevin James how to dance, right? Good reference. It's by a way. sidestep shuffle with a snap at the end, right? Like, how many? If, if you're not dancing with the stars level good, how many actual functional dance moves does a guy need to get by? And now we're counting like dance songs, like. No, no, no. We're not talking about the electric slide. Okay. Or the hustle. Yeah, or... Yeah, but yeah. I don't know. I'm just throwing out... This, 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 this did you say the Cupid oldest. Shuffle, or... <laughs> I just made things... I made it I made it up. Uh, okay, but I'd say about maybe two to five, anywhere in that range. <laughs> if I, How many do you have, and what are they called? I don't call them anything. I just kind of go with the floor. Oh, okay. Okay. So it sounds like you might be... Like Jason Kelsey's hip thrusting. It's kind of your go-to, too, huh? Maybe. All right. I don't really do it, but I'm also not like Mac, because I don't know what Mac causes. Yeah. Kill the music. That's it. That's what did you say. The best audio in the world of sports. Let me see if Turner's still there before we step aside. Turner's on the phone lines, wants to talk a little ACC hoops. Turner, how are you? I'm fine. Uh, I love all of y'all's shows. And Thank you, buddy. This is, I'm a first-time caller. Thank but, you. Uh, I'm kind of mixed. I'm uh, my father was a charter member of the Rams Club, so I'm Carolina. But I did a fellowship at Bowman Gray School of Medicine. But I was going to mention uh, y'all's discussion with Wes when um, Coach Forbes was on there. Uh, I'm really impressed with Coach Forbes with what he does with his recruiting and stuff. But I, I think that that um, the uh, not getting respect started when we added so many teams. But um, on the same token, I believe when I think of the ACC, I think of Greensboro. I, I don't think it should have been moved to Charlotte. Uh, that's what I think of, uh, of the ACC should be always at Greensboro. The tournament should be always in North Carolina. And I would say it's the first ACC in Raleigh. So, But, um, you, you know, there's no reason to move it to, around like that. I think it should stay in North Carolina. But... I, I think uh, besides that, I, I think the year Coach K retired, uh, nobody got respect except Duke. They, they planned the whole season saying he was going to get to the Final Four and he's going to win a national championship and go out like that. And then they made a ridiculous thing as if he was the Grateful Dead and he was retiring on that big thing at yeah. Cameron on his last game and Carolina beat him. And then they beat him in the final four. I believe the ACC still just as good as they were. And we used to beat each other up, but still, you know, we, we had more teams going than anybody else. And the record proves that we're better than anybody else when we get there well it's certainly there's but certainly the there's an agenda is, hey turner i got a step i got a guest coming up thank you for calling you call me anytime i appreciate you buddy um i, I speaking of acc hoops paul biancardi espn next talking acc hoops and hornet sports radio 92.7 wfnz join weston walker on monday we recap all-star weekend how did brandon miller doing the rising stars game and will he carry it to the second half on sports radio 92.7 wfnz
1027-WFNZ cruising on a Friday, 38 minutes away from Nate Wimberly, WBTV, longtime sports reporter, sports anchor. He's back in studio for his weekly hit. My man caught me in my truck in the parking lot earlier, smoke eating a snack, and he was laughing at me. He's like, you know, there's a break room in there, right? And I was like, Wimberly, I have three little kids, smoke's inside. I just need some peace and quiet, all right? I, I will say your truck is also very spacious. It's spacious, it's comfortable. And if you got kids, you just know you, you need a minute. Sometimes you need a minute. Let, let's talk to a guy. Let's talk to a dad. He, he knows where I'm coming from. ESPN's Paul B. and Cardi, college basketball analyst, national recruiting director, and former Horizon League coach of the year. He's back with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Paul B. and Cardi, how you been, man? I'm great. Thank you guys for having me. I'm doing really well. well it's good to have you back. I know we're on a, a bit of a tight schedule here today, so we'll make the most of our time. We talked seven days ago about what the Hornets did at the trade deadline, who they traded for, what they brought back, who they got rid of. Seven days later and going into the All-Star break, Paul, they're 3-0 and with the new guys, and they look like a brand-new basketball team, and Steve Clifford looks like his blood pressure's dropped 40%. What, what, do you, what do you make of these guys over the last week? Well, you got veterans, you know, with Grant Williams and, and Seth Curry two veteran guys, they're high IQ guys. And anytime you coach a game and you have high IQ basketball players that understand what you're trying to accomplish on each possession, whether it's offensively or defensively, right? They understand the schemes. They know how to execute. And they may not be the most talented guys on the court, uh, but there's plenty of talent in those guys. you got a young Trey man. I think you got guys that needed maybe a change from where they were and guys that bring a high IQ, some toughness to the team. And I think they're team guys. I know Trey Mann from his high school days very well. I know Grant Williams, and, and I follow the career of Seth Curry. So I, I think they're guys that tough IQ, and, and they can shoot it, especially Curry. Real quick, Trey Mann. I could ask you about a lot of these guys, but uh, you saw a lot of Trey Mann at Florida. OKC took him with the 18th pick. We didn't really hear anything out of him after that. And then he shows up to Charlotte, and you know he's got he's got like 22 assists in his first three games. He dropped 21 the other night. Are, are you surprised at all? No, I had him ranked in our ESPN top 100. He was the top 40, top 20 player in the class. He was terrific out of the state of Florida. Could always score the ball. That was his forte. And then he started to shoot it as he got older in the game. But, you know, at, at OKC, they wanted him to play a little bit of both, of point guard and off guard. Uh, he really didn't have a spot there. Uh, so I, I think, you know, Sam Presti did a good job of finding him somewhere where they need him and, and, we got the right guy with him because he's going to grow with this franchise. Uh, the way he plays, uh, the way he acts off the court, he, he's a good locker room guy. He's a very simple guy after, after games. You know, he's home with his family, plays video games. I mean, he's a baller is what he is, and he's got the natural instinct to play either point or off. Hey, uh, Paul, what did you think about Caitlin Clark breaking the uh, scoring record last oh. night? Oh, my gosh. I watched that game she had against Nebraska, and I was rooting that she didn't get it at Nebraska because I think when you go for a big-time record, it's great to do it in front of your fans. Um, phenomenal. I watched her two years ago, and I didn't know who she was. I was just home watching a game, and I go, yeah, I really like this girl. She's really good. And then she goes on to be you know, the greatest of all time, maybe in the women's college game. And uh, I just did an article for ESPN.com. It's coming out next week. It's comparing her the pistol Pete Maravich, who she's chasing next for most points scored in a college career. Uh, and it's fascinating to see the comparisons between her and pistol Pete when it comes to scoring, shooting from great distance, the passing and the ball handling. Want to check that out. Paul B. and Cardi ESPN. He's with us on the body works plus guest hotline. What game do you have tonight? I got a high school game right now. We're doing games out in Kansas. 
I got Wasatch Academy against Sunrise Christian, just a high-level high school game between uh, two top 25 programs. It's on ESPNU at 530. We have another game at 730 on ESPN+. Plus. All right, let's talk about a couple of these games in the ACC tomorrow. Uh, let's start yeah. with Virginia Tech, North Carolina. Uh, Virginia Tech needs the win, but Carolina's coming off a loss at Syracuse, and I expect them to be motivated at home. Uh, I'm thinking heels. Where are you? Well, me too. But, you know, since they beat um, Duke, it, it seems like they've gotten a little complacent. Yeah. What do you think? No, no, I, I think that's a good way to put it. I don't – I don't think they suddenly stink, but I think you're no, you're exactly no, right. I'm, I'm, I'm watching them, and I'm saying, okay, uh, North Carolina um, – I'm sorry, Duke ended up playing Notre Dame the next game, and I think uh, UNC ended up playing Clemson, who really desperately needed that win, right? Yep. And uh, it just seems like they, they won the big game, they exhaled, and now it's like, okay, we've we got to play the rest of these teams. And these the rest of these teams are fighting for their conference life. They're trying to get into the NCAA tournament, trying to move up within the seating. Um, and I just feel like they're a little complacent right now, and it's natural. They're, they're young kids. I know Hubert Davis and the staff is trying to do everything to keep them hungry. Uh, they have the talent to be in a Final Four, and, and they have to understand the competitiveness of league play and, and get themselves a little bit angry, a little bit motivated to play these games because they should win these games that they're playing. Virginia Tech, a very good offensive team. And Carolina was so good defensively for the most part of this year. I mean, they were giving up less than 70 points, and I think in their last three games they've given up almost 80-plus points. So the defensive end has not been good. Uh, That tells me the effort and the focus maybe to detail is not there, and you better have it against Mike Young because he runs some incredible half-court sets with a lot of misdirection, a lot of actions. they got good shooters. Uh, You can't take this team lightly at all. All right, uh, kind of a similar situation, though though opposite, for Duke tomorrow. They're also facing a team that you know, could really use a win against a quad one opponent. But Duke's on the road, unlike Carolina, and uh, Duke's coming off a win. Uh, you, you concerned about them going to Tallahassee at all tomorrow? Always. Anytime Duke goes down there, they, they've always uh, they've, they've struggled in, in many ways. They've, they've got upset in the past, if you remember the really good Lennon-Hamilton teams. Uh, you know, Kyle Filipowski needs help, and, and right now it's Mark Mitchell giving him the help, which is great. Their front court has been terrific. Uh, the back court has been up and down. Caleb Foster is in a little bit of a, a funk, and that's what happens. I mean, freshmen get in funks. They hit the freshman wall sometime late January, early February. That's where we are right now. Uh, they show up physically, but mentally they're just not there. But I, I think uh, Duke wins a close game down in Tallahassee. I really do. All right, uh, competing styles clashing tomorrow at John Paul Jones Arena. Wake Forest, <laughs> off- Wake Forest offense versus Virginia's defense. Obviously, both could use a win, but Tony's team's uh, sitting a little prettier right now than Steve's. Who do you like in this one? Yeah, this one's going to be a great game. Maybe the best game in the ACC uh, this weekend because Wake Forest, to me, is maybe the second or third best offensive team right behind Carolina and Duke and maybe as good as Duke. We saw those guys play head-to-head. The team that controls the tempo, and that's easy to say, but you cannot play Virginia's style and tempo and beat them at their own game. So Steve Forbes has to make sure this game has a little bit of pace to it, a little bit of speed, whether it's speeding up Virginia uh, through their defense or attacking on offense quickly within the shot clock. You've got to make this a faster-paced game. If it gets into the 70s, Wake Forest, they have a real chance. All right, last one. NC State at Clemson. Boy, these games all have a ton of yeah. meaning tomorrow in the ACC. Um, what decides NC State at Clemson at Little John? 
Yeah, both seven and six in the ACC. I mean, this is separation time, right? This is what February is all about. One game can put you in the top five, and one loss can put you down within the you know the bottom eight or nine. So, to, to me, it's going to be the inside play of PJ Hall against DJ Burns. I love that matchup. Also, DJ Horn for NC State, Joe Girard uh, for Clemson. I think Clemson, with their defense, wins this game. Carolina, I'm sorry, State, a low turnover team. Kyle, keep an eye on that. If they have over 10 or 11 turnovers, that would be unusual for them. They're a very good ball possession team. But I think Clemson walks away in a close win at Little John. Hey, Paul, always a pleasure, buddy. Have a great call tonight. All right, thank you. There you go, Paul Biancardi, ESPN National Recruiting Director, a former coach in the Horizon League, coach of the year, as a matter of fact, and ESPN college basketball analyst with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Uh, as far as the ACC's bid number goes, I think five to six, Probably is what we're looking at here, five or six teams, realistically, in the ACC. Yeah, lowest is four. And not to keep, you know, harping on Lenardi, but I was looking at the game tomorrow between Pitt and Louisville. Pitt should be able to take care of business at home against Louisville, right? Pitt's 16-8, and 7-6 and six in conference. Jason Capel's done a good job. Jeff Capel's done a good job up there. Well, Jason, Jason's on the coach of staff, too. So he's <laughs> That's true. Yeah. They both have, you know what? I was right both ways. Um, <laughs> but did you see the the bubble, the first four out, the first four in, the last next four out, the last four out, the next four out, the extra four out, whatever it is? Yeah, I keep a look, and he, that pit has not shown up even after. Being. How? How do you justify that? That that right there, you know, we're in North Carolina, so Pitt's not going to get a ton of sympathy around here because it's Pitt, right? But, like, what, what's Pitt in the net ratings today? Low 50s, I believe? I believe so. Um, and there are, and, and Lenardi had at least four or five teams ahead of them in the first four out, last four in, that were markedly lower than Pitt in the net rankings. 54, by the way. 54. All right. So th- this is the stuff where it's just, I, I understand it's more than just the net rankings, but then when you start talking about the net rankings, you know, with some of these college basketball writers, you'd think it's the absolute gospel. You know, and, and the totality of the decision-making. Well, the thing is, it can change on a moment's notice, too. So, a net ranking now can change. That was a quad one win, could change to a quad two win. And the moment's notice, just because, oh, this happened here. It's like, well, when they beat them, it was a quad one win. Now it's a quad two. It's like. I mean, one of my first thoughts always was when, when they deployed the net ratings. or right? Is it ratings or rankings? It doesn't matter. It's the same I, thing. But It's, it's flawed. It, but, I mean, when, when they deployed them in the first place, I was like, oh, okay, so we're going to go to a rating system here that's going to be very analytically numbers-driven, a lot of data-driven you know, driven decisions here. So if we're going to go that heavy into the numbers, we're going to ra- rely on this system here. Well, there's 68 teams in the tournament. Why wouldn't you just take the top 68, 68 teams in the net rankings? And, and, and then you just can't – if can't – if there's a team outside the top 68 to win a conference, then you just go to the next best. Right. Like, am I, exactly. Am I the only one that looks at these net rankings sometimes and it's like, okay, how can you be 48th in the net rankings but still be on the outside looking in of, of these bracketology projections? And, and I, I know it's still a science and all the games haven't been played yet. You know what I mean by that? But, like, I'm looking at it and it's like, okay, you got a team that's in the net rating. Where Where's Wake today? High 30s, I believe. Low 40s. Uh, yeah. Wake's at 36 today. <laughs> 36 in the net rankings. The only thing is they don't have a quad one win. No, but that's they're third, but they're 36, but they're still 36 I, I in the know. net rankings. And, and if they win tomorrow, that's a quad one win. So they're 36 in the net rankings, and we're talking about them as if they're like a long shot to get into the NCAA tournament. By the way, by the way, I will say this too. Sometimes some of these quad one wins are not from like schools you expect. So Virginia, that's a quad one win, especially since you have to go to JPJ. For example, uh, Wake has four quad one win, uh, quad one games left. One is against Duke, makes sense. 
Uh, one is against Clemson. Okay, that kind of makes sense. Virginia Tech's a quad one game. Quad one game as of right now. How? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not saying Virginia Tech's crap, but no, they've no, been you, don't inc- to, don't, you don't have to worry about hurting my feelings. They're not very good. They're inconsistent. <laughs> they're okay. Year. They're they're inconsistent. Like they're just they're good. They're fine. They're decent. They're average. Whatever. How's that a quad one game? But Joe Lenardi has the team Wake Forest ranked 36th in the net rankings today, and they're the first team out. And I don't think a team that's been that high into quad uh, into uh, net rankings has missed a tournament. By the way, that's also a big key that sticks out. Say say that one more time for the folks who didn't hear it. A uh, team that's been that high in the net rankings, I don't think has missed a tournament since net's really become a big priority with the NCAA tournament seeding. I'm just looking. Mean, the, the last four buys, Butler, Boise State, T, like he's got teams like Nebraska, and there was one more yesterday. Might have been Nebraska, Ole Miss maybe. Oh, yeah, Ole Miss has been around the bubble to hold. Uh, Florida's kind of been fluctuating in and out. Yeah, I mean, Ole Miss is 62 in the net rankings today. But Lenardi's got them as one of the last four in. And Wake, 36th, 27 spots better in the net rankings than Ole Miss. They're the last team out. And this is where you get the 10 10 full hat people, and I can't blame them because it's probably going to end up that way. I mean, think about it. When did this stuff really start happening around the COVID or the year after COVID? What happened the year after COVID? It was when Oklahoma and Texas joined the SEC and where we are starting to get to where we are right now. You don't think that this is a thing against the ACC? Where the, con- the ESPN can get out of that contract relatively soon? Right. Well, and by the way, somebody points out, and he's right. Hey, they also use the Ken Palm ratings. They do. But guess where Wake is ranked today in Ken Palm? They're 36 in net rankings. They're even higher. They're right? 27. Yeah. In the in Ken Palm today. Which I think Ken Palm, if you're going to use, is probably a little bit better. So, than so they're 36 in net rankings. They're 27 in Ken Palm. But Lenardi has them as the first team out of a 68 team field. It's almost like there's incentive from who he works for. Well, and, and even before you get there, it's just somebody said, can you guys explain these net rankings in quad games? No, not without reading to you, you know, directly from their own propaganda page. I mean, I, I could do that for you, but I think you could do that for yourself. So, I mean, I've got a decent idea of how it works, but then you start looking at it. It's like, wait a minute. Does anybody actually have a decent idea of how this works? How could a team in the ACC, you know, from a, it's apparently got a terrible perception now, according to the college basketball mouthpieces, but Wake Forest is 36 and 27th in net rankings and Ken Palm. Yet they're the first team out of a 68 team field. Make that make sense. Yeah, but tell me how the Mountain West is just as good, if not better, than the ACC when they're being carried by one team who made a deep run. You tell me that nerds haven't ruined sports. Argue it. I dare you. 704-570-9610. Let's go to smoke on the headlines. All righty here, Kyle. Well, uh, this is not a nerd thing, but it's still not a good thing. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is in the news today as he's being suspended two games for violating the NFL's performance-enhancing substances policy, according to ESPN. The policy violation is related to him using a prescribed medication without having a valid therapeutic use exemption per sources. Oh, Jimmy G was using some blue chew, wasn't he? Well, we have seen he has had a past. <laughs> I'm not going to get into that past. What, what do we think Jimmy G was taking? What does he need to take? Wasn't helping his performance. Well, that's that's what I'm at. Like, what was Jimmy Garoppolo taking that caused him to pop hot on a test that was considered performance enhancing? What would Jimmy G even be taking? I don't know. You're Jimmy G. You don't need to do much, man. 
I wouldn't like think even so. after his football career, Ben, you got a mate. You're Jimmy freaking G. I've been looking, by the way. I've been I've been running some internet searches and some Reddit threads and you know Twitter threads. Nobody, I haven't found anything juicy yet. What you got over there? <laughs> juicy. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, okay, so the NBA All Star Weekend is pretty big because the NBA will unveil some new stuff. I don't get who is going to use this. So you know this whole Apple. What's this new Apple Vision thing they have? Well, I think part of this new Apple Vision thing is apparently MBA, a, MBAI, which will allow fans to activate quote-unquote movie mode and watch live games animated like popular films. For example, MBAI will show a Pacers game as if it were a Spider-Man movie. What? So they, they, they want to turn live sporting events in, into comic book movies I mean, like is, is the sports not enough anymore there's always got to be a sideshow but but I, I, like are they honestly finding that because we've talked about this right like the kids the younger generation the gen zers the one after you they're not watching whole games they're looking for house of highlights they're finding stuff on, on instagram and snapchat like is this what they're do they feel like they need to do this to get young people to watch sports is that I'm asking? Is that what they're doing here? Probably. What do you do when you, for example, what do you do when uh, you need the kids to stay quiet for a bit? Me? Yeah, you get the, tell you them to shut the, up. No, I'm kidding. I don't do that. Uh, um, I was gonna say you get the iPad, don't you? Uh, me? Yeah. Or no, for, absolutely not. Oh, okay. No, we well, don't. I know do certain that. people. Do I, I'm, not, I'm not judging, by the way, but no, I, I will not throw my a kid an iPad at my kid. No. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. But yeah, so I think a lot that might be their thinking, but it's very weird. I won't do it. Well, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Sunday night when the Super Bowl came on, my wife was like, we're going to watch the game together. And I was like, I guess we never do. But sure, you know, because my wife is into the whole Taylor Swift thing now, too. And my son loves, you know, he doesn't know what he's watching, but my son yells football because he knows I watch it a lot. So like I was like, I told my wife, I was like, hey, should we turn on the Nickelodeon broadcast for them? But by the time the game was almost started, all hell had broken loose in my house. And so we didn't even try. But I did consider it. I just that I didn't know kids needed to see that stuff to watch games. All right, what else you got? All right, and finally, uh, Fairleigh Dickinson's basketball game against Long Island University was delayed on Thursday night for a very, very odd reason. The elevator got stuck. I saw this, and so they had to crawl. Fairleigh Dickinson had to crawl out of the elevator to get out and then play the game. Luckily for Fairleigh Dickinson, they won the game, so at least they'll have this funny story to talk about for years from now. But uh, I think the main suspect might be Matt Painter or a Purdue fan. All right, there you go. We'll come back and wrap up the hour. We'll tell you who balled out. And an all-time great gave his top five. And he omitted two of the all-time greats. We'll talk about it next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. This is Nick Richards of the Charlotte Hornets. You're listening to Kyle Billy on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan. 22 ticks on the clock. Below, good protection, throws in the end zone. Touchdown! Ricky Pro! It's going to be a drag race.
performers, big time achievers. We call it Who Balled Out. It's powered by High Performance Real Estate Advisors and the biggest baller of them all, Thomas Elrod. Go to highperformancerealestate.com and they'll see you at the closing table. Smoke, you're first. What you got? Well, I'm going off the beaten path here because ECU got a win over Wichita State last night, winning 68-55. That moves them above 500 and now 6-6 six and six in American Conference play. Pal, that is tied for the most wins they've gotten in conference play for men's basketball since 2014. So even the teams that don't usually do good are having pretty solid seasons in the state of North Carolina and college uh, basketball. Hard to argue with that. I will go with uh, Caitlin Clark, who last night became the all-time leading scorer in Women's Division I college basketball history last night at Carver Hawkeye Arena in front of a sellout crowd of 21,000 fans. I mean, I don't I don't know the last time they drew that for a men's game personally, but uh, 21,000 fans in attendance to watch her break the all-time scoring record past former record holder Kelsey Plum, who poured in 3,527, 3,527 points at Washington. Well, Caitlin Clark eclipsed that mark last night. The six-foot senior guard did it in her 126th game. She needed just eight points. She hit the record-tying shot early in the first quarter, pulled up from well behind the three-point line on the left side at the logo, sent the place into a frenzy. Caitlin Clark was awesome. Uh, She would also topple her own career high of 46 late in the fourth quarter with a pull-up three-pointer in the waning minutes to finish with 49 points, 13 rebounds, and five assists in a 106-89 win. She was one point shy of a 50-burger on the night that she broke the all-time scoring record in women's college basketball history. She was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, also, a 336 number sends me a link to Francis Marion's Lauren Taylor grabbing an NCAA record 44 rebounds. Smoke, did you see this story? I did see it. It was like, what, 24, 34 well, points. And the, the thing is, it's perfect because Lauren Taylor from Francis Marion last night set a record, the NCAA record for divisions with 44 rebounds in their 85-62 win over North Greenville last night. She's a 5'11 senior who pulled down 30 defensive rebounds and 14 on the offensive glass. She's 14 offensive Right. Um, and she uh, surpassed the division two mark set by Christine Desain of West Virginia Tech uh, in 1995. So it, that's interesting, right? Not just because it was done last night, too, that, the, that 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 record was set, but it was Francis Marion. And we talked about this earlier in the show. Pearl Moore, who played, not Earl the Pearl, Pearl Monroe, but Earl Pearl Moore in Francis Marion down in Florence, South Carolina. She scored a career 4,026 points, I believe which is more than Caitlin Clark. But Pearl Moore played 19, from 1975 to 1979, and Francis Marion then was you know, governed by the AIAW, not the NCAA. So that record obviously doesn't stand, doesn't count. Same for Lynette Woodward at the University of Kansas. Uh, but, but Caitlin Clark is the all-time leader now on the women's side, and she is chasing Pistol Pete Maravich's all-time record for both the men's and women's game. She's 99 points shy of that, I believe. So just an amazing night in that sense for Caitlin Clark and the Hawkeyes. And of course, as we said, for the young lady, Lauren Taylor from Francis Marion. 704-570-9610. Hit us up on the text line. Nate Wimberly in studio earlier. And if you miss Coach Cherry's Hornets rap, we're going to play that for you. I want Nate Wimberly to react to that live (laughs) in the five o'clock segment. Uh, Coach Cherry, one of our listeners, local coach, basketball coach here in the Charlotte region. uh, Diehard listener of the show. We love Coach Cherry. If you actually want to see it, 
before we even play it in the next segment. It's on my Instagram story. Coach Terry tagged me in the video, the, the reel that he posted. So if you want to watch it right now, if you want to watch Coach Terry lay down these bars in this post-trade deadline Hornets wrap of his, I'm at Kyle Bailey Club on Twitter or Instagram, at Kyle Bailey Club if you want to jump ahead and, and watch it during the break. He lays down a track on top of uh, Hypnotize, which you might know from Notorious B.I.G., but, you know, a beat that was laid down, I think, by – I think Diddy, he was Puff, he was Sean Puff. It came Combs. out right before he died, if I remember correctly. Yeah, no, but I'm saying I think I think Diddy, who was back then, Sean Puff, Daddy Combs, I think the beat is his. Well, he was in the music video, if I remember correctly. No, you're right about it. I know all that. I'm saying I think the beat is his. Oh. That's what I'm saying. Uh, it, others might have helped him on it, but I think he's credited with the beat. Everybody knows Hypnotize. Well, yeah, I take that back. You've heard the beat. Yeah, if you've Most heard likely. the beat. Yeah. And he laid it down uh, on top of that. Coach Cherry did. It's beautiful. It's brilliant. You want to go check it out. 704-570-96. Go, go check it out. Um, I, and again, on the text line, I have multiple people telling me, hey, Pistol Pete only played three years. He did. He did. Um, but but the, but the total number of points are total number of points. I, I understand what you're saying. Is it more impressive? Yes. Yes. I, I agree with you on that. But still, the total number of points scored will be how the record is determined. And barring injury, she's going to, based on what she did last night, she's going to get it in about mm, two and a half games. So she she will be the all-time scoring leader for men's and women here in about two and a half Heck, games. She could pro- depending on how deep of a tournament run they go on, she could probably get uh, Pearl's record too. All right, two things. All right, two things I want to ask or I want to talk about. In the 5 o'clock hour, I want to talk a little Panthers free agency. I, w- I want to know what is the number one free agent, top free agent target that Panthers fans want to see that you get to pick the top free agent, 704-570-9610. You get to pick the top free agent. You get to make the first move in free agency. Who are you going to get? 704-570-9610. Tell me on the, on the fan duel text line. Does that include anyone that's currently on this team or are we just excluding it to people? No, that no, have- I, no external. Okay. Just- Ex- only people external, right. only players that are not currently on the roster. Who are you going to get? Do you know yours? I think Calvin Ridley would be one of the first ones that would come to my mind. I think he's, while not like an elite, I, I don't know if you can get an elite number one receiver. It sounds like T. Higgins is going to at least be tagged. Uh, Pitt, Michael Pittman, uh, I mean, I get it if you want to spend bigger money, but I also feel like Calvin Ridley still has a lot of speed. He had a really good year in Jacksonville that kind of fell under the radar. I know he's a little bit older, but I just feel like, Getting a guy like Calvin Ridley could be a very big benefit to Bryce Young. And just hopefully he doesn't bet. Mm. <laughs> Roger the Irishman said Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, that sounds great. Sounds great. Be great if he's a free agent. Who's the uh, the the, the, uh, the the guard that Chicago just parted ways with yesterday? Oh, uh, Whitehair. Whitehair, thank you. Yeah. A lot of questions have come in about him. I do want to talk about that too because I'm not going to turn down. Not after we watched, not after what we saw last year. I'm not going to turn it down. Yeah, he did have a rough year last At year. At the but, same time, yeah. though, you got Christensen and Corbett coming back, right? Mm-hmm. So we're, we're going to talk about that. Also, last thing, did you see um, Dr. J's top five NBA players of all time? I did not, no. Dr. J, Julius Irving, was asked to name his top – I'm sorry. Okay. He says – I think he was asked to name his top ten – but in his top five, he left out both Michael Jordan and LeBron James. 
<laughs> Who's in this top five? <laughs> Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, Oscar Robertson, Jerry West, Elgin Baylor. Yeah. Look, I know a family, uh, family member of Elgin <laughs> Baylor's very well. I don't even know if he'd put him in the top five. No, if, seriously, I know I, a guy who's related to Elgin I, Baylor. I, I believe you. Yeah. No, I believe you. Um, all right, that's cool. I, I, you're not going to find many top fives that leave out MJ and LeBron. For Elgin Baylor. But Dr. J's, Julius Irvins leaves out both. MJ and LeBron in favor of Elgin Baylor. You're right. Anyway, send me your top priority free agent. AJ agrees with smoke. It's Calvin Ridley. I got some Austin Eckler coming in. Uh, T Higgins is coming in a bunch, but I think, I, I think the plan looks like they're going to franchise tag him in Cincinnati based on what we last saw. We'll talk about it next. Nate Wimberly in studio sports radio, 92, seven WFNZ.